And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey, baby! <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The World of Myth Bits. I am, as always, your host, Stephanie Barty, and this is episode 33. <sighs> so, how was your week? Mine was eventful, to say the least. Um, as of Friday, I am no longer working for a little while temporarily. Um, I have some things, interesting things in the works. I can't say too much about uh, my... <sighs> trying to figure out how to word this. My boss retired, in a word. She retired. And um, she wanted the summer off, so we're closed temporarily. Um, but like I said, there's things in the works and hopefully, hopefully within the next month, I should have some exciting news, but, uh, yeah, so I got a whole lot of free time on my hands right now, <laughs> which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, good thing because I can get a lot of things done. Um, I can plan some schedule, some authors events that I've been kind of postponing due to work and not having time and snow, uh, trying to plan anything where anybody has to travel any distance at all in the winter time where I live is like trying to herd cats. It just doesn't work because the weather, especially in the town that I live in, we always joke in, in our town that we have our own weather system that it could be doing one thing in town. And as soon as you cross the town line to go to the next town over, which is by car less than a minute away, the weather will be completely different. I mean, like total opposite. It'll be major blizzard, whiteout conditions in town. You head towards Penetang and the sun is shining and the roads are clear and it's absolutely lovely. The joys of living right on the bay. And the Pentang is kind of built up on a hill and um, they don't get the extreme weather that we get in Midland where most of the town is at the bottom of the hill. I mean, there's still a hill going down to the water, but most of the town is down the hill in kind of a gully, a little valley, a dip the bottom. <laughs> so we get a lot of um, weird and wonderful weather. And we've had a lot of rain. I mean, April showers bring May showers, which bring flowers just starting to come out in June. It's uh, now June 3rd. Well, you'll be listening to this on June 3rd. It's June 2nd. For me. But anyway, I digress. Um, it's into June 
And we did have sunshine today. I was thankful for that because um, even though it was cold, it was only, I think the highest it got today was 62. Yeah, it was, it was chilly today. For June, it was cold. Cold. I mean, my heat is still coming on, which is ridiculous for June. Like, no. <laughs> no, no, it's bad enough I have to pay for it in the wintertime. I don't want to pay for it in the summertime, too. But uh, it did actually get up to 71 um, last week. Yeah, last week. So that was nice for about three hours. And then it started to drop off again, and we haven't been able to get up past 63 since then. Um, it drops down to like 48, 47, and it was 43 the other night. So still chilly. And it's June. Not a happy camper. But we had sunshine today. So... Um, we have a lot of wood in our backyard, but we were going to have a fire tonight. And my husband bought me a nice bottle of wine and we were going to have a nice bonfire. So we got a couple of bags of dry wood because all the wood in our backyard right now is wet. Um, but because I got our fire permit on Friday like in town, you have to have a permit from the town to have a fire in your backyard. And it comes with a long list of rules and regulations and times, and I'll get into that in a minute. But we were going to have a nice fire and just sit out in the backyard and enjoy the fact that, you know, it wasn't raining or snowing, but it was too windy, which is one of the rules that if there's a wind of more than 24 kilometers an hour, you can't have a fire. You can't have a fire before 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Or after midnight. Um, you can't burn yard waste. Which most people do. They just are very careful about it. But you're not... Like you can't have this great big huge burning pile of leaves. In your backyard. Not allowed. No. So... And it's got to be so many feet away from the fence. So many feet away from the house. It can't be... Yeah. There's a lot of rules and regulations. And you have to go to the town office. And I mean, last year I just went down there and, you know, here to get a fire permit. This is where I live. Yada, yada, yada. Here's your cash. Off I go. And they gave me the permit. And you have to display the permit, the permit in a prominent place at the front of your house. So it's got to either be in your front window where it's easily seen from the street. That's the condition. It has to be easily seen from the street because if your neighbors call and say, Hey, so-and-so's having a fire. And then, you know, they, they, they call the police and then the, the, all the police have to do is drive by and they can see, oh, they have a permit, they're allowed. So you have to have a permit to have a fire. You can get into a lot of trouble with that one. Well, they changed the rules this year, apparently. They're cracking down. They're getting a little stricter with who gets a permit and who doesn't. Um, there's a lot of rental units in town, so I guess that's why. So I went tootled my way over there on Thursday to get the fire permit. And she said, you know, are you the landowner? I do what now? Are you the landowner? Well, no, my husband is because my husband's name is on the title to the land, not mine, which I do, don't go all woman's lib on me and yada, yada, yada. There's reasons. And I'm 
quite happy with the fact. I'm quite content with that. It's no big deal. Um, moving on. Anyway, so it's just my husband's name on the deed to the land. And she says, well, you'll have to get, per- you'll have to get him to sign a permission form. Do what now? I'm his wife. Uh, you what? You have to get him to sign a permission, granting you permission to have five. Okay, fine. Give me the form. So I bring the form home and my husband's like, you told them who you were, right? Yes. I told them who I was. Apparently the town is the only place in town that doesn't realize that I, you know, wear the pants. My husband will agree. It's not like I'm not saying anything that he doesn't know. He will tell you, yes, it's usually, you know, I make the rules. I always ask him his opinions and we discuss major things. Um, and I don't say this is what's happening and that's final. Um, we, we do discuss things and I respect his opinions and he respects mine. And, you know, we usually come to a mutual decision. But when it comes to decorating or um yard work what the yard's going to look like where things are going to go talking to the bill companies that falls on me that's all me he doesn't want to do it he doesn't like doing it he has no interest in doing it he will pay the bills i deal with them and they all know that they all have my name they all know who i am apparently the town does not well the town does now so he signs the permission slip and I, Philip Barty, Grant, Stephanie Barty, and then he puts in brackets, my wife, smart ass, permission to burn. And I said to him, I said, you know, how do they know we're not separated? And I'm not, you know, planning this huge fire in the backyard and burning all your stuff. If I have your permission, then it's all good. You have to sign the form. They don't know if I'm being vindictive or, or whatever, you know, so, okay, I get it. So anyway, got the form. I was all excited. He signed it, went down Friday, got the burn permit and couldn't have a fire because it was too windy. That's my wine. I whined. I didn't have any wine either because we couldn't have a fire. So there was no point sitting out, you know, having a nice glass of wine around a nice fire and no but that's okay. I watched a couple of movies. And, well, actually, I watched <laughs> the complete season of Good Omens. <laughs> I watched episode one two nights ago because it, it uh, premiered on May 31st and it's on Amazon Prime. And they, Amazon Prime is a lot, is, is pretty much exactly like Netflix, just with, don't tell Netflix this, but just with better movies. Um, they put the entire season up. So season one of Good Omens by Neil Gaiman, in case you, if you don't know what it is, check it out, is up. And if you don't know who Neil Gaiman is, you really need to find out. You really, really do. Incredible writer. Hilarious. He writes some incredible stuff. Um, American Gods, Good Omens, Coraline. Uh, I could go on and on and on and on, but I won't. Because I only have so much time. And, um, anyway, so I've been waiting, 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 waiting for months for this to 
premieres so I could watch it. I mean, I must have watched the trailers for it a dozen times if I've watched it once. <coughs> so, I watched the first episode the other night, but it was bedtime. I had to work in the morning, and I didn't want to start episode two because I knew if I started episode two, then it would be, okay, well, maybe just one more episode. Okay, well, maybe just one more episode. And then I'd still be awake when I had to get up for work. So then I watched episode, started episode two today, and now I'm done. I watched them all. Now, there's only, I, I, I mean, to be fair, there are only six episodes to the season. So, yeah, I I did my yard work. I did, I did my dishes. I vacuumed. Um, I'm still trying to kind of take it easy. I mean, I'm wearing this. I don't know if you saw my post. I received I have a notification in the mail that I had a parcel and I'm thinking, I don't remember ordering anything or buying anything. And I get a hold of Dave and ask him, did, did you send me something? And he's like, no, not that I can remember. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, well, what, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, so I go up to the drugstore and I pick up because we have post depots in the drugstore in Shoppers Drug Mart and Guardian Drugs downtown um, because the post office closes at five o'clock. Well, I got off work at five o'clock. So the postal outlets in Shoppers Drug Mart and Guardian stay open till um, seven, I think it is. So this one, I had to go up to Shoppers to pick it up. So up I went to Shoppers Drug Mart and I'm like, I, I have this parcel. I don't know. Here's my ID. Here's the slip. What is it? So he hands me this box and it says fragile. Ooh, okay. Fragile. What the hell did I, I'm thinking, well, maybe my Annie Kathy sent me something or my mom and my sister sent me. So I don't know. So I look and it says M health. All right, now I'm really confused because I certainly didn't order any health equipment. <laughs> so I get it home and I open it up and it is a pocket ECG machine. You do what now? And I'm looking in the box thinking, okay, there's got to be a letter from a doctor telling me what I'm supposed to do with this, how long I'm supposed to wear it, yada, yada, yada. There's nothing. There's instructions, and we were a little confused on um, where we were supposed to put, because the little thingies that hook on to the little sticky pads um, are color-coded. There's white, white, black, and red. And the picture in the book is just the outline of a body, and then it has, you know, white here, red here, black here. Okay, well, is that, are you looking at the person from the back? Or are you looking at them from the front and you have to flip it around? So we weren't exactly sure. So we kind of winged it and um, I talked to Dave later and <laughs> we winged it right. We did have them in the right place, so that was good. Um, he gave me a couple of little rhymes to help me remember because it's not waterproof. So I have to take it off when I shower. Um, the sticky pads don't necessarily have to come off. 
but they did send extras just in case. But you have to take the electrodes off and the machine off when you have a shower because it's not waterproof. So, um, yeah, he gave me some little rhymes to remember. But anyway, I named him Herman because I have to wear him for a minimum of two weeks while they gather data. And now th- this, they're used to, I remember the ones from the old days and they were big and you kind of wore them on this long plastic strap and you kind of wore it over your shoulder or looped over your neck and, and crossed across your chest like you would a purse. And they were big and they were bulky. And every time you had what you thought might be a symptom or you felt something weird, you pushed a button and then you had to record it on a piece of paper and on the chart and the time and what you were doing and everything else. So I've been hooked up to a lot of machines for extended periods of time over the 10 years that I've had heart issues. And I usually name them. Now, usually it's my IV machine. I've had Sergio... I've had Gomez, I've had Ralph, I've had George, I've had Sam. Um, so this little, this is Herman Halter. So <laughs> Herman is a pain in the ass. Oh my God. It, this one doesn't sling over your shoulder. It goes around your waist like a fanny pack. Comes, it's got a little zippered pouch you can put it in. And I can tell you getting dressed is highly inconvenient. Putting on women's undergarments with all these wires, highly inconvenient. Don't even get me started on bathing. Don't even. And, oh my gosh, every time I go to the bathroom, I have to make sure that I go before I really need to go. Because when I go to, you know, you hook your thumbs in your whatever and you whip them down and you do your thing. Well... I always hook the stupid straps. So it's like, oh yeah, oh crap. And then I got to take the thumbs out and pull the thing up. And it just, it, oh, it's a disaster sometimes. It's really inconvenient. Really inconvenient. And then, I mean, they've made the recording of the symptoms simpler. You just hold, the, it's a touch screen. Uh, and it's about the size of a cell phone and about the thickness of a cell phone. So it's really, it's, it's light. But it's still a pain to wear it because the strap chafes and, you know, I, I wear it over top of my pants. But, you know, you can't always do that when you're going to bed and you're in your nightgown. Um, so you just, you, you hold the, it says report symptoms and you hold your thumb on the little button until it fades out and disappears. And then you can choose your symptom from a list of symptoms and then you confirm and then you have to record what you're doing. Now, they don't give you a whole lot of choices. You're walking, exercising, or resting. So, if you're doing something other than those three activities, like if you're vacuuming, or going upstairs, or... Having a shower. Oh, well, no, you wouldn't really be recording symptoms in the shower. But you see where I'm going with this, right? If you're doing something other than walking, resting, or exercising, you have to hit other. That's all fine and well. But not only do you have to hit 
other. Then you have to call the 1-800 number and tell them what you were doing so that they can record it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Herman is a pain in the ass. But it is transmitting directly to them, so they are getting this every time my heart decides it's going to go, woohoo, let's have a party. Um, it's all being recorded on their end. So I think if anything untoward were to be going on that would raise an eyebrow, I'm sure they'd call me. But, uh, I mean, I would obviously, if, if it was feeling really weird, like it was when I was in the hospital, I would go up to the hospital. I'm not a fool. But, uh, yeah, it, it's reassuring to know that somebody is kind of every now and again checking my data. <laughs> going, oh, yeah, she's still alive. Okay, good. Yep, let's carry on. Um, and then they, they'll, they're going to call me, apparently. And now they were supposed to call me before it even arrived to make sure they had the right address, to tell me that it was coming and who had ordered it, how long I was supposed to wear it, and this, that, the other thing. So I get this one eight 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 number show up on my cell phone, calling my cell phone. I'm thinking, why? It's got to be a telemarketer because very few people have my cell phone number for specific reasons. I don't want a bunch of telemarketers. I don't want a bunch of bill collectors hounding me on my cell phone. They all have the house number. Don't call my cell phone. So I get this one eight 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 number on my cell phone. <laughs> oh crap! Okay, you know what? Decline. I don't want to talk to them. It's probably a telemarketer, and they didn't leave a message, so I assumed it was. So when this thing shows up at my door, I'm like, "What the?" Okay. So I call my doctor, who doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about. I mean, he knows what the machine is. He knows what it does. Doesn't know why I have one. So, um, an internist came to see me when I was in the ER. So my doctor suggests, well, why don't you call him? Here's his number. Okay, fine. So I call the internist and she pulls up my file and she's like, well, did, did, didn't he tell you he was going to order it? No, didn't tell me anything. I heard him and the ER doctor discussing the last time I had one. Um, but he never mentioned that he was going to have me do one. He mentioned something about a stress test, which still hasn't been booked. So I'm, I don't know. I don't know. And she says, okay, well, I don't have any of that information. Call M Health, the people that sent it to you. Oh my God. Okay, fine. So I call them. They were quite helpful. Told me who ordered it, how long I have to wear it, and that they will call me. To tell me I don't have to wear it anymore when they have enough data or at the end of the two weeks. Okay, great. So why didn't you phone me and tell me? She says, well, it says here somebody tried to, tried to. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, tried to and doing are two different things in my world. Tried to didn't tell me that this was coming and I was supposed to wear it and for how long. And they didn't leave a message to tell me any of that stuff. So, how I found out their number was when I called the internist um, she, and she told me to call M Health. I'm start scrolling back through my phone going, okay, well, maybe that's who called. Maybe that was the one eight 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 number. 
And I found the 188 number on recent calls. Let's try this. Pushed it, called it, and sure enough, it was them. So now I know if I get another 1888 number, answer it. But yeah, um, I've named him Herman. And he makes sleeping difficult because it says in the pamphlet, in the instructions, do not lie on it. Now, I was told if, if I happen to roll on it and I lie on it, it's perfectly fine. It's not going to hurt it. But it is embedded into my OCD brain. Do not lie on it. So consequently, when I go to sleep, I make sure that it's off to the side and it's all safe and all the wires are safe and nothing's hitched up or, you know, stuck up or hooked under or whatever. Everything's all good and everything's stuck down and then I don't move till morning. So that means I wake up in the morning a little stiff and I feel like I'm about 107 years old getting out of bed. Takes me a little bit to work out the kinks. But yeah, um, you're supposed to change the battery on this thing twice a day too, which I don't understand because I put the new battery in at nine o'clock in the morning. And then when I go to change it at nine o'clock at night, it's only at 73%. Well, I'm pretty sure it'll make it through the night. I don't see, I don't, I don't understand why you have to change the battery twice a day. I guess so that, so you don't forget and change the battery, but trust me, you're not going to forget you're wearing this thing not going to happen. So anyway, I've talked enough about my problems and my issues and, but that's what's going on in my life. I'm unemployed and I have a little hermit friend hanging around my waist and my cat. <laughs> he just came over to say hello. Hey Siege. I know I actually started this podcast and he wasn't in the background saying hello to you all. Terribly sorry for that. His manners have been absolutely atrocious lately. Hey, haven't they? So, almost summer. I feel like the snowman from Frozen. In the summertime. I can't wait. I love nothing more than sitting outside in the sunshine. I love taking my coffee in the morning and going and sitting out on my back deck. And listening to the birds and glaring at the squirrels and watching the chipmunks and, you know, just being outside and drinking my coffee. I love that. And it just kills me in the wintertime when I can't do that because there's three feet of snow and I can't find my chair. But it's too been too cold lately and, you know, raining every day. All day. Yeah. Rain. Rain. Oh, rain. I haven't even planted, I know, I and I'm going to get flack from this, from my gardening friends, but I haven't even planted my gardens yet, because it's been too cold, and we've actually had frost warnings, so I'm not going to put bean seeds in the ground, and then have them frosted, it's not happening, That and it's been raining, have I said it's rained? It's rained a lot, an awful lot, um... I have an announcement. I have, I have two announcements to make actually. These are the final two contestants for our open contract challenge. <laughs> um, so these are the last two and then we'll be moving on to the next phase with these 10 contestants. We have eight so far. And if you give me 
30, maybe not 30 seconds. I don't know. Start counting. Let me see how quickly it takes me to get here. Because, you know, just the way things are. So, let's recap. We have, let me see if I can do it from their pictures. See how good I am. Okay. We have Walter Esselman, Michael Arnold. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's only six. Oh, because he hasn't put the other two pictures. Okay, so we have Walter Esselman, Michael Arnold, Steve Carr, Alan Russo, Mark Kadamo, Rebecca Illich, Melissa Ridley-Elms, and Jeff R. Young so far. And the next contestant is... Hold on. Hold on. Do, 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 do. Drum roll, please. Tom Fowler. Come on down. Congratulations, Tom. So he is the next contestant. And I will be announcing our last and final contestant a little later in the show. Probably within the next 15 minutes or so, because we're already at 28 minutes. So... Yes, exciting, exciting, exciting! And I don't know if you guys caught um, the latest little uh, surprise, but a new bonus prize has been added to the grand prize for, for the grand prize winner of the Open Contract Challenge, and that is the grand prize winner will 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 receive a trip to California to be part of the Jason Pop Culture Expo. And for a book signing. Woohoo! So excited! I seriously, seriously, I cannot wait for PCE. I really can't. I am so excited about this expo. You have no idea. A, I'm getting the hell out of Ontario in the coldest month of the year and going to California. And I, Dave keeps telling me, oh, but it's cold here in February. And, you know, it's down in the teens. You don't have five feet of snow. It's not minus 30. I will be wearing shorts and a t-shirt and looking for the pool. Just saying. Steer me towards the sunshine. I'll be getting a tan in February. And it's my birthday month. Just throwing that out there. So y'all come out and celebrate my birthday with me. Um, But... There's so many exciting things that are going to be happening. Obviously, we're going to have the winner of the Open Contract Challenge, and they're going to be their book is going to be out, and they're going to be signing it, and I'm going to be buying a copy, and I'm going to be having it autographed by the winner because you know, woo, that's exciting. Um, I'm going to be doing a workshop, and and just yeah, I'm going. I'm going to California. <laughs> Never been that side of the country before. Um, been all down through the southern U.S. and all that, but haven't been over to California yet. And we're going through states that I've never been through before. Um, Utah is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting going through Utah. Um, yes, I will be looking for, you know, the Mormon settlements and, and, and to see if they actually look like they do on TV. Because... Yeah, I only ever see them on TV. I live in Amish country. I have Amish. I have Mennonites. Um, we have Mormons, but they're just normal ones. They don't take more than one wife. Um, all of that. So they're just like any other churchgoer in town. 
um, so I'm used to seeing Amish. I'm used to seeing Mennonites. You don't see the horse and buggies in town. Um, but you do see the women. They come in. When they do come into town, they come in a minivan. Old minivan. So with their little caps on. And, and we actually have... Um, there's an Amish family that lives in town. And... They homeschool the kids, and the kids would come into the shop all the time. And just, oh, they're just so adorable and so well-mannered and so well-educated. Um, they would come in, and they would, were always buying little gifts for their mom. And it just broke my heart because their living conditions weren't great. And you, you just, you knew their mom and dad were doing the best that they could with what they had. They had a lot of kids, and... Work in this town is hard to find. It's few and far between. And, I mean, you, you have to have a grade 12 to work in a factory, for heaven's sakes. And a lot of people don't have a grade 12. A lot of the younger generation never graduated high school. I don't know why, but this is just the thing. And so the kids, the girls would come in and they would buy, you know, sweet smelling. They would do their paper route and save up all their, their money and their change and would buy pretty smelling soaps for their mom. And they would come in and they'd get her chocolates for Mother's Day. And they were just, oh, just the sweetest kids, just the sweetest kids. I never met the mom and dad. Um, it was just the kids that came in the store. But the way they spoke about their parents, they knew they didn't have a lot. And... They came in one day and bought some really sweet smelling soap for their mom because the rats had eaten all the other soap, which just broke my heart. In this day and age, they're living in a place, they're renting a place that there are rats. There's no need for that. The landlord should be doing something about that. And it just, it irks me. People shouldn't have to live like that anymore. I mean, uh, slumlords and Bellingham. We have a few in town. Good Lord. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, it was sunny today and we were going to have a bonfire and we didn't have a bonfire. And I'm sad because I wanted a bonfire. But uh, I got to watch Good Omens and I watched a movie called um, Pay the Ghost. And it just, it seemed very familiar all the way through it. I think I've seen it before, but it was a long time ago. It's a Nicolas Cage movie. And I like Nicolas Cage. And it wasn't bad. And they had, uh, it was based around Halloween. So, of course, they brought in the Samhain element. And as soon as they started talking about Celtic um, tradition and Celtic beliefs and the, the Celtic goddesses and that, I looked at my husband and went, okay, this is either going to be a really good movie from this point on, or I'm about to get really pissy. Because it just irks me when they get the Celtic lore wrong in movies. Like, do you, if you're going to incorporate a Celtic tradition like Samhain, or like Beltane, or Yule, or any of them, um, Lunasat, Lamas, Mabin, whatever, if you're going to incorporate that into your writing, into a movie, do your research. 
because those of us out there that do honor those, those Sabbaths and that do follow a Celtic, um, spiritual belief system will know you didn't do your homework and immediately will turn us off that movie. Immediately. It's like, oh, whoa, that's wrong. Wait a minute. They got that completely wrong. That is so t- stereotypically wrong. And I know, oh, it's Hollywood makes for good. No, no. Honestly, if you, if you did your research into those, um, rituals and into those, those Sabbaths, trust me, they are far more entertaining and interesting than what Hollywood shows you. Really. A really good sound ritual will scare the pants off you. Not because it's evil and demonic and any, no, we don't believe in any of that crap. I mean, we believe in it, but we don't do it. And demonic and Satan and all of that is, is, does not belong within the Celtic. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, Samhain or Halloween is the time of the year when the veil between the land of the living and the land of the dead is at its thinnest. And you ask any religion, and I'll tell you that. So, doing a celebration on Samhain, yeah, involves talking to the dead, involves inviting the ancestors to come sit with you and and break bread with you and walk amongst you. So, it can be a little unnerving to somebody who's never experienced something like that before. We always make a joke in the community. You never bring a newbie to Beltane or Samhain. Beltane is our spring festival and it celebrates, um, re- it celebrates the birth and it celebrates spring and it celebrates fertility. There are a lot of fertility rites. And it's not just fertility of the women, it's fertility of the crops and fertility of um, prosperity and success and growth and all of that and beginning of life. And it's spring. Hello, it's spring. (laughs) And what does every man, creature, every, you know, creature and, and human and what do you do in the spring? Uh-huh. So, you never bring a newbie to Beltane or Samhain. You ease him in gently. And I can speak from experience because when I was a newbie, I was brought to a Beltane ritual and I, yeah, freaked the hell right out of me. But anyway, again, I digress. Wow, doing a lot of that. So, <clears throat> it's cold, but we had sunshine. I'm hoping we have sunshine tomorrow. And if I had have actually been so motivated, um, I would have got my sheets and my towels on the clothesline today because of that fantastic breeze that put the kibosh on my bonfire and being sunny. So I'm hoping we have that breeze tomorrow because I would like to get my sheets and my towels. It's laundry day tomorrow. It's Monday. Normally I do it on Sundays, but now that I'm not working, I put it back to the regular day when I wasn't working before. Wash day was always Monday. 
always did the laundry on Mondays. And I got thinking, like, my daughter asked, why do you always do laundry on Mondays? Mom, why don't you do it on, like, a Thursday or a Saturday or, you know, why always on Mondays? I got thinking about, why always on Mondays? So I called my mom. I said, Mom, what, was, what day is laundry day? She said, Monday. Why is Monday always laundry day? And she says, I don't know. I said, well, what day did Grandma do laundry? She, oh, she always did the wash up on Monday. Monday was always wash day. Whether you were sick or not, Monday was wash day. Oh, see, it started to fall into place. It's a family tradition. My grandma always did the laundry and the wash up on Mondays because my papa had gone back to work. My mom and my aunt were off at school. The weekend was over after everybody being home and messing up her immaculate house. She did all the washing, washed the floors, the dusting, the vacuuming, everything on Monday. So it kind of, my mom and my aunt grew up with that being on Monday. So my mom and my aunt both do laundry and clean up on Monday. And me and my sister, and not so much my brother because my brother works, um, and he, his wife, my sister-in-law, she does the laundry and she does it on the weekend because she works as well. But we do, when we're home, we do our laundry and our wash-ups and our clean-ups on Mondays. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting when you see that, that chain of events that it's not just, um, family traditions on big holidays that you carry forward into your own family and pass down to your children and things like that. But it's, it's little traditions like doing laundry on Mondays that you, that get passed down generation to generation to generation. Um, Sunday dinner was always a big thing when I was a kid. Uh, Saturday, yeah, you go sleep over at a friend's house or you'd have friends sleep over or they're, you know, barbecue, whatever. Everybody's here, there and everywhere and you kind of grab food as you're running through the kitchen to do whatever you're going to do. But Sunday dinners, you were home Sunday afternoon by four o'clock. And you did your homework. You got your stuff ready for school the next day and Sunday dinner with mom, dad, your siblings, whatever. And we kind of instilled that in our house too, because there was quite an age gap between our two older boys and our daughter. Um, there was 10 years between our oldest boy and our daughter, who's our youngest. And then eight years between our middle boy and our daughter. Now there's two years between the boys. So they being so much older we're constantly off, you know, youth group and basketball and what hanging out with friends after school and doing this and doing that and at the skate park and riding bikes and playing. So Sunday dinner was, and my husband works shift work. So Sunday dinner became very important in our house as well. So I, I miss Sunday dinner. Because all my kids are grown. My youngest is 18 now and, and she's, I mean, she still lives at home and she's usually here for Sunday dinner, but it's kind of fallen to the wayside where, you know, I'll eat my dinner 
on the couch watching my shows and my husband will eat at his desk watch on his computer doing whatever it is that he does on his computer um and my daughter will be upstairs in her room watching her show so i mean lately she's been eating downstairs with me because she's actually had an interest in what i'm watching um and sometimes she's not home for sunday dinner she's out doing something else or she's coming home later so i i miss that having everybody around the kitchen table for dinner and, you know, putting the dinner on the table and everybody laughing and talking and there was so much noise, but it was the one day of the week where we all connected and you could talk about anything that you needed to talk about. No subject was taboo at the dinner table. If you had a question, you asked it. If you had a story, you told it. If you had a joke, you told it. Nothing was taboo. Now, if it was a, a offensive joke or an offensive story, we would discuss that. And especially when the boys were younger and they were, they were learning what was offensive and what wasn't offensive because we didn't bring them up to see a difference in skin color. We didn't bring them up to see a difference in gender. None of that mattered. So if they heard a joke that they didn't understand, they would come home and they would, Hey, I got a joke for you. They would tell us the joke and then we would talk about it and explain to them what, things in the joke meant and how it wasn't necessarily funny because it would hurt somebody's feelings. These are things you don't say. These are things you don't do. How would you feel? You know, yada, yada, yada. But it was our time to discuss anything. And boy, do I have stories to tell you. But we are 45 minutes into this podcast. Wow, 45 minutes already. Good Lord. When I get on a roll, I just don't shut the hell up. I still have one more final contestant to announce the last remaining contestant to bring our final count to 10 is someone who will be added to the roster of the nine we've already announced and let's recap We have Walter Esselman, we have Michael Arnold, we have Steve Carr, we have Alan Russo, Mark Kodama, Rebecca Illich, and Tom Fowler, and the last and final contestant for the Open Contract Challenge is Christopher Harris. Congratulations, and that is our 10 contestants. So, stay tuned, because now we have... The 10 contestants out of all of the submissions that we received. Um, these were the 10 that were chosen for having the best submission letter. I didn't, I had no part in that. So, um, congratulations. Well done. There were a lot of submissions and get ready for round two, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Now the fun begins. Okay, so um, if you want to go and see everybody who is, uh, get on Dave there to get uh, everybody's pictures up onto the webpage, onto Facebook, just put in the search Open Contract Challenge, 
and follow, like and follow the page, and you'll get updates and all that good stuff. Um, don't forget to pop over to the World of Myth magazine on Facebook and stay up to date on what's going on there because there are a lot of interesting things going to be coming up soon. Um, yeah, we haven't just been sitting around slacking, you know. We have been working. There are things going on in the background that you just don't know. You just don't know. Oh, and it's going to be fun and exciting and I can't tell you yet, so I won't. Ha <laughs> You know me. I like to keep my secrets and tease you all with it. Um, so yeah, go to Facebook and like the World of Myth magazine. And um, yeah, and it's the World of Myth. There's no S. It's the World of Myth magazine. Don't forget to check out the World of Myth Bits podcast on Facebook. And then you can follow us on Twitter at TWOMBP. You can also put in search for the World of Myth magazine. We're on Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter at Lupa B. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Stephanie Barty author. So come check us out. Like us. Don't forget to go to the website, www.theworldofmyth.com. Check out the stories, vote, comment. Let our, our contributors know that you support them. You're cheering for them or you don't like their stuff, whatever, you know, do your thing and read, 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 write, 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 do the thing. Thank you, Lally. <laughs> okay, I am out of here and we will talk to you all next week. See ya. The world of myth bits.